discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Just the news reports, U.S. birth and fertility rates dropped to another record low in 2020, according to new data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the National Center for Health and Statistics, the CDC's statistics system, showed that the number of births in 2020 declined by 4% from those in 2019, reaching record lows. The U.S. birth rate has dropped for the sixth consecutive year to the lowest levels since 1979, according to CNBC News. In the report released Tuesday, the birth rates for Black and Hispanics from 2019 to 2020 declined by 4% and 3% respectively, while teen birth declined by 6%. The report also states the 2020 birth rate fell below replacement levels. The number of newborns needed for a nation to keep the population the same from generation to generation as more people die than are born. Among the concerns are not enough employees in coming years to fill jobs, which could slow the economy, and too few younger people working and paying into safety net systems like social security that support the elderly. Justthenews.com. Now, if you're a futurist, you probably think that in the near future, a shortage of human workers won't be an issue, and neither will concerns over social security, as many jobs will be performed by machines, and citizens will simply be provided with universal basic income. But, dear listener, I'm afraid that U.S. babies aren't the only things being under-delivered these days. So are most of the ambitious promises of a sci-fi utopia thanks to advances in science and technology. It's 2021, and sure, we've got drones, robots, jetpacks, artificial intelligence, cars that drive themselves, cryptocurrencies, and even self-replicating gene-editing biotechnologies that can cleverly disguise themselves as vaccines. But I always say, until they invent teleportation, I'm not particularly impressed. But in all seriousness, is all this fancy tech a big deal or a big flop? You're listening to Alternate Current Radio, I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. According to Popular Science, the Royal Navy's jetpack demo is astonishing and impractical. In an instant, the jetpack's engines roar to life 
and it flies. From his perch on the front of a small boat, the jetpack pilot launches into the sky above the sea, before ultimately landing on the upper deck of the HMS Tamar, a British patrol vessel. Once on board, he lowers a rope ladder to the crew on a boat below, who then scales and boards the warship the conventional way. Released May 1st, and with just a brief runtime, the video showcases a novel jetpack portraying a version of the future of naval warfare, and then undermines that same promise. It is a beautiful gimmick, but also a sign of the real limitations of jetpacks as a military tool made by Gravity Industries the jetpack is really a system of engines, worn like a gangly exoskeleton. In each of the pilot's hands is a thruster, used for balance and steering. On back is the main thruster, responsible for hurtling the pilot forward in the sky. Gravity lists a flight speed of 55 miles per hour, though boasts of a record top speed at 85 miles per hour. Empty, the system weighs 60 pounds. To fly, it either takes diesel or jet fuel, which it converts into enough thrust and power for between 5 and 10 minutes of flight, the company claims. In the demonstration, it works. The pack propels a person through the sky, and the human can steer the jets well enough. Later in the clip, like out of science fiction, we witness three jet-packed people land on a ship from different directions, as if they were super-powered. First Sea Lord Admiral Tony Radican, head of the United Kingdom's Royal Navy, seemed pleased enough with the demonstration. On May 1st, he shared a shorter clip of the flights around the Tamar, tweeting, quote, As the Royal Navy embraces technology and innovation, the HMS Tamar trials the latest game-changing kit with the Royal Marines, end quote. It's hard to understand what game exactly this jetpack changes. On first viewing, it reads as a novel approach to an assault, a low-flying vulnerability exploited thanks to a stunning display of technology. But the tech has its drawback. For one, the jetpack is loud. Maybe not louder than the hull of a ship at sea, but loud enough to alert anyone on deck to its approach. The person flying is mostly upright, presenting the majority of their torso as a viable target to any armed defenders. Rifles and machine guns, the most effective anti-jetpack countermeasures, are already abundant on ships. Given the distribution of thrust and the layout of the jetpack system, a pilot trying for a narrower flight profile, think Superman soaring horizontally, would likely risk unstable flight and would still have to transition to a vertical orientation to land. Finally, when it comes to delivering a ladder over the side of a ship, a rope with a grappling hook could do it better. Every part of the flashy assault would be stealthier, cheaper, and more reliable if it were done in a more traditional way, without bringing a jetpack into the equation. In a separate demonstration, this time with the Netherlands Maritime Special Operations Force, the same jetpack system launches from a small boat, lands, and deploys a ladder, then appears to take part of a simulated search and clear operation. It is compelling footage, and also far more mission impossible than plausible. Even if the jetpack is useful for getting a ladder on the side of a ship, the person with the jetpack makes a larger target than their companions. To say nothing of the risk of getting into a firefight with a tank of combustible fuel strapped to their back, militaries have explored small personal flying machines 
things for over a century. The promise is obvious. With so much of the world designed for navigation in two dimensions, soldiers equipped to fly even short distances could bypass defense, surprise enemies, and win battles out of nowhere. It is a compelling vision, and jetpacks remain a staple of combat games set in the future. Yet military interest in jetpack demonstrations should not suggest an imminent future of infantry combat in three dimensions. Loud, expensive, and with short flight durations, jetpacks make for great spectacle, but they are less useful for any gun battles, to say nothing of sustained fighting. In January, months before the first Sea Lord boasted of jetpacks as technology innovation, the Tamar turned to a different flying machine, the hand-tossed Puma drone, which can survey 270 square miles of ocean in flights lasting up to two and a half hours. Remarkable as jetpacks may be, the truth is there's far more capable, cheaper flying machines that can do almost everything jetpacks once promised. They just can't do any of it with a person on board. Popsci.com. Ah, well, maybe jetpacks aren't all they're cracked up to be. It's certainly not the first time that technology has failed to meet one's expectations, and it probably won't be the last time. Writing for Slate, Jeffrey Funk and Gary Smith explain why artificial intelligence moonshots miss. They say ambitious predictions about the future powers of computers keep churning out to be wrong. Since the very beginning of the computer revolution, researchers have dreamed of creating computers that would rival the human brain. Our brains are information machines that use inputs to generate outputs, and so are computers. How hard could it be to build computers that work as well as our brains? In 1954, a Georgetown IBM team predicted that language translation programs programs would be perfected in three to five years. In 1965, Herbert Simon said that, quote, machines will be capable within 20 years of doing any work a man can do, end quote. In 1970, Marvin Minsky told Life magazine, quote, in from three to eight years, we will have a machine with the general intelligence of an average human being, end quote. Billions of dollars have been poured into efforts to build computers with artificial intelligence that equals or surpasses human intelligence. Researchers didn't know it at first, but this was a moonshot, a wildly ambitious effort that had little chance of a quick payoff. So far, it has failed. We still know very little about how the human brain works, but we have learned that building computers that rival human brains is not just a question of computational power and clever code. AI research was launched at a summer conference at Dartmouth in 1956 with the moonshot vision that, quote, every aspect of learning or any other feature of intelligence can be so precisely described that a machine can be made to simulate it, end quote. Seventeen years later, the 1973 Lighthill Report, commissioned by the UK Science Research Council, concluded that, quote, in no part of the field have the discoveries made so far produced the major impact that was then promised. 
end quote. Funding dried up and an AI winter began. There was a resurgence of AI research in the 1980s, fueled by advances in computer memory and processing speed and the development of expert systems, followed by a second AI winter as the limitations of expert systems became apparent. Another resurgence began in the 1990s and continues to this day. Widely publicized computer victories over world champions in backgammon, checkers, chess, go, and jeopardy have fueled the idea that the initial hopes for AI are on the verge of being realized. But just as in the first decades of moonshot hope, ambitious predictions and moving goalposts continue to be the norm. In 2014, Ray Kurzweil predicted that by 2029, computers will have human-level intelligence and will have all of the intellectual and emotional capabilities of humans. In including, quote, the ability to tell a joke, to be funny, to be romantic, to be loving, to be sexy, end quote. As we move closer to 2029, Kurzweil talks more about 2045. In a 2009 TED Talk, Israeli neuroscientist Henry Markram said that within a decade, his research group would reverse engineer the human brain by using a supercomputer to simulate the brain's 86 billion neurons and 100 trillion synapses. These failed goals cost money. After being promised $1.3 billion in funding from the European Union, Markram's Human Brain Project crashed in 2015. In 2016, the market research firm PwC predicted that GDP would be 14%, or $15.7 trillion higher in 2030 because of AI products and services. They weren't alone. McKinsey, Accenture, and Forrester also forecast similar figures by 2030, with Forrester in 2016 predicting $1.2 trillion in 2020. Four years later, in 2020, Forrester reported that the AI market was only $17 billion. It now projects the market to reach $37 billion by 2025. Oops. The $15 trillion predictions made in 2016 assumed the success of AI moonshots such as Watson for healthcare, DeepMind and Nest for energy use, Level 5 self-driving vehicles on public roads, and human-like robots and text. When moonshots like these work, they can be revolutionary. When they turn out to be pie in the sky, the failures are costly. We have learned the hard way that winning a game of Go or Jeopardy is a lot easier than processing words and images, providing effective healthcare, and building self-driving cars. Computers are like New Zealander Nigel Richards, who memorized the 386,000 words in the French Scrabble Dictionary and won the French-language Scrabble World Championship twice, even though he doesn't know the meaning of the French words he spells. In the same way, computer algorithms fit mathematical equations to data that they do not understand and consequently cannot employ any of the critical thinking skills that humans have. If a computer algorithm found a correlation between Donald Trump tweeting the word with and the price of tea in China four days later, it had no way of assessing whether this correlation is meaningful or meaningless. And I might add, apparently, it had no idea that Donald Trump isn't allowed to tweet anymore. A state-of-the-art 
Art Image Recognition Program was 99% certain that a series of horizontal black and yellow lines was a school bus, evidently focusing on the color of the pixels and completely ignoring the fact that buses have wheels, doors, and a windshield. The healthcare moonshot has also disappointed. Swayed by IBM's Watson boasts, McKinsey predicted a 30-50% to productivity improvement for nurses, a 5-9% to reduction in healthcare costs, and healthcare savings in developed countries, equal to up to 2% of GDP. A 2019 article in IEEE Spectrum concluded that Watson had, quote, over-promised and under-delivered, end quote. Soon afterward, IBM pulled Watson from drug discovery, and media enthusiasm waned as bad news about AI healthcare accumulated. For example, a 2020 Mayo Clinic and Harvard survey of clinical staff who were using AI-based clinical decision support to improve glycemic control in patients with diabetes gave the program a median score of 11 on a scale of 0 to 100, with only 14% saying that they would recommend the system to other clinics. Following Watson's failure, the media moved on to Google healthcare articles in Nature and other journals that reported black box results with unreported tweaks that were needed to make the models work well. After Google published its protein folding paper, an expert in structural biology said, quote, until DeepMind shares their code, nobody in the field cares and it's just them patting themselves on the back, end quote. He also said that the idea that protein folding had been solved was, quote unquote, laughable. An international group of scientists described a Google paper on breast cancer as another, quote, very high profile journal publishing a very very exciting study that has nothing to do with science. It's more an advertisement for cool technology. We can't really do anything with it." End quote. Such cautions are well deserved in light of the flop of Google's highly touted flu trends algorithm. After claiming to be 97.5% accurate in predicting flu outbreaks, Google flu trends overestimated the number of flu cases for 100 of the next 108 weeks by an average of nearly 100% before being quietly retired. The self-driving vehicle moonshot is in a similar state. By late 2018, it was becoming clear that self-driving cars were much harder than originally thought, with one Wall Street Journal article titled Driverless Hype collides with merciless reality. In 2020, startups like Zooks, Ike, Kodiak Robotics, Lyft, Uber, and Velodyne began layoffs, bankruptcies, revaluations, and liquidations at deflated prices. Uber sold its autonomous unit in late 2020, after years of claiming that self-driving machines were its key to future profitability. An MIT task force announced in mid-2020 that fully driverless systems will take at least a decade to deploy over large areas. Overall, AI moonshots are proving to be an expensive collection of failures. An October 2020 Wired article titled Companies are rushing to use AI, but few see a payoff, reported that only 11% of firms that have deployed AI are reaping a quote-unquote sizable return on their investments. One reason is that 
costs often turn out to be higher, much higher, than originally assumed. According to a fall 2020 MIT Sloan Management Review article, quote, a good rule of thumb is that you should estimate that for every dollar you spend developing an algorithm, you must spend $100 to deploy and support it. End quote. The 2020 edition of the State of AI report, published by AI investors Nathan Benake and Ian Hogarth, concluded that, quote, we're rapidly approaching outrageous computational, economic, and environmental costs to gain incrementally smaller improvements in model performance. For example, without major new research breakthroughs, dropping the image recognition error rate from 11.5% to 1% would require over 100 billion billion dollars. End quote. The fact is, most moonshots fail. Nuclear fusion, synthetic fuels, supersonic flight, maglev, and blockchain for everything. Instead, successful technologies generally begin in small and often overlooked applications, and then expand to bigger and more important ones. Transistors were first used in hearing aids and radios, before becoming ubiquitous in military equipment, computers, and phones. Computers began with accounting applications and later expanded to every function of a company. LEDs were first used in calculators and automobile dashboards long before being used for lighting. The internet began as a tool for professors before becoming the most widely used technology since electricity. Solar cells were used in satellites and remote locations long before they were used to generate electricity for urban homes and business. In almost every case, technologies begin in a niche and then incrementally expand to other applications over decades through exponential improvements in price and performance. Some companies successfully focus their AI efforts on solutions to small problems with achievable benefits. For instance, DHL uses AI-controlled robots to find packages, move them around warehouses, and load them onto planes. And Microsoft recently acquired Nuance, a company best known for a deep learning voice transcription service that is very popular in the healthcare sector. Many similar examples can be found in robotic process automation, software robots that emulate humans interacting with digital systems. It can be used for accounting, manufacturing, financial, and engineering transactions, and it is the fastest growing segment of the AI market. The same incremental approach can be used for healthcare, self-driving vehicles, and more. Mutually beneficial diffusion and progress can come from collaboration among large research hospitals within and across countries as researchers learn from one another and generalize from one case to another. The holy grail of a robo-taxi that can operate without a driver in every geographic location, no matter the weather, remains elusive, but self-driving vehicles are used successfully in constrained environments like mining camps, large factories, industrial parks, theme parks, golf clubs, and university campuses. It is surely better to perfect small solutions before moving on to crowded public roads with a plethora of unforeseen hazards. One of the reasons AI 
I overpromised and underdelivered is that we didn't anticipate that building a computer that surpasses the human brain is the moonshot of all moonshots. Computers may someday rival human intelligence. In the meantime, we should recognize the limitations of AI and take advantage of the real strengths of computers. The failure of AI moonshots is not a reason to give up on AI, but it is a reason to be realistic about what AI can do for us. Slate.com And if you're interested in learning more about exactly what AI can do for us, well, you're going to have to wait until a future episode of The Daily Ruckus. Because I'm going to end this one right here. And I promise we will pick up this conversation again in the very near future. But I can't guarantee that it's necessarily going to be this week. And that being said, just in case, wink wink, we come back to this topic sooner than you are expecting, it will be a pleasant surprise. Because unlike most politicians and intellectual blowhards and technological pies in the sky, I prefer to under-promise and over-deliver. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been The Daily Ruckus for Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.